Hello. Welcome to the Break the Mold podcast, episode two of series two. Let's get straight into it, shall we? Because I have an absolutely brilliant guest lined up for you today. Our guest for today is Amy Sinnott. So Amy is the Talent and Development Manager at Liberty Speciality Markets. Amy is someone who's really passionate about creating inclusive workplace cultures where individuals can be and also bring their authentic selves to work. And a big driver for Amy and her role is helping people to be their best version of themselves. And I, I'm really excited for you to hear Amy's interview Full disclosure, uh, Amy is a coaching client of mine. We've known each other for a number of years now. We've worked together for a number of years. So I'm really, really excited to get her on the podcast, get her talking about herself, get her talking about uh, what she believes in terms of authentic leadership. And it's an interesting one actually for Amy because no, she won't mind me saying this. She was probably a bit nervous about coming to the podcast, maybe even said, why do you want me on your podcast kind of thing, Tim? Well, why would I not want Amy Sinner on this podcast? For me, she's somebody who just absolutely embodies authentic leadership, somebody who challenges herself every day to live up to what she stands for, to be her true authentic self. Uh, this might be the episode where there's more swearing than any other episode. I'm not going to apologise for that. I mean, if you don't like swearing, then go and find another podcast that just talks in all corporate bullshit all the time. Um, Amy and I, when we get together, we like to say it as it is. We like to talk just straight, basically. So, yeah, prepare yourself for the odd profanity. None of it is offensive. None of it is said in a bad way. None of it is done in an inappropriate way at all. It's just two people talking in the way that they talk. Uh, now... I've set this up beautifully, so the the first thing that I need to tell you about in terms of listening out for on Amy's uh, interview is how she talks about always giving a shit about other people. I think it's a brilliant thing that she calls out, particularly from a leadership point of view. And there's a challenge there for you straight away when you're listening to Amy's. How much are you giving a shit about other people? Maybe more importantly, how much are you showing that you give a shit about other people? Thinking about what's going on for them, what work means for them and what they want from it, what being in your team means to them and what they want from it. Thinking about what they expect from you, what they need from you. you Just challenge yourself throughout listening to this episode to think about how you really giving a shit about other people. There's a nice link that Amy talks about with that is where she talks about reminding us, particularly from a leadership point of view, is just... You know, never breaking that trust and uh, never uh, actually allowing psychological safety to be broken. And the, the reason that's important to the way Amy talks about it, and again, this is something for you to think about, is she reminds us that actually building trust is hard, breaking trust is easy. You know, one thing that we do can break trust, and it's so much harder to get that back, particularly as a leader. I think what Amy talks about brilliantly aligned to that is about being your true self, is about never compromising your own authenticity. And something that's really, really important that I want you to think about while you're listening to Amy's interview is she talks about how no one else is going to back you as much as you back yourself. Just challenge yourself to think about how much are you backing yourself? Maybe how much are you allowing yourself to hold back because of other people around you? It's that true confidence really comes from you being able to back yourself nobody can ever back you as much as you can back yourself because they don't truly know what's going on for you. Therefore, they don't truly know what you need to back yourself, to be motivated, to have that confidence. So really think about that, particularly from a leadership point of view, is actually how much are you really backing yourself and what can you do to back yourself all of the time. Uh, there's a brilliant thing that Amy talks about. I say this in the podcast. I've told her I'm totally nicking this idea. And it's 
going to be used in some of my coaching sessions. It's definitely going to be in my uh, book, which will be the third book coming out in a few years' time, which is all about how to be the team that you want to be. And that's about building your dickhead list. And that's about talking with your team and understanding exactly what needs to go on your dickhead list. I'm not going to give anything away, so there's no spoiler alert needed because I want you to listen to Amy talking about that because it's a brilliant way that she brings it to life. And kind of the question I ask that she then responds in terms of thinking about how to create your dickhead list is just such a really brilliant, fun, simple thing to do that really drives accountability for the right attitudes and behaviours from you and your team. And the final thing just to get you to think about before you listen to Amy's interviewers i just love the way she talks about don't overthink it we're all human and we're all idiots we'll all make mistakes we'll all get things wrong nobody knows everything i think it's really powerful that amy talks about that in terms of it's okay you know and even this bit about you might overthink it because actually you don't have any control of that your heart and mind might make you overthink things it's more about being able to take a step back and go okay how do i want to respond to that and being able to be confident, be honest in ourselves and going, it's all right that I'm overthinking it. I'm thinking about it because I'm human and I'm thinking about it because I'm an idiot and this is how I want to respond to it. Right, I hope that's set up wonderfully for you to go listen to the brilliant Amy Sinnott. I'll be back after Amy's interview to close this episode and ask you some coaching questions to get you thinking about what you're going to do as a result of listening to Amy Sinnott. Go and enjoy Amy's interview and I'll see you back here after. Amy Sinnott, welcome to the Break the Mold podcast. How are you doing, my mate? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Really good. Really, really good, thank you. Excited uh, to talk to you. We probably need to uh, maybe put a few pounds in the swear jar, do you think, before we get talking in public, Amy? But Yeah, what do we reckon? What are we hedging our bets at? <laughs> I reckon probably 50 quid. <laughs> oh, it's going to say 10 off. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it says a lot more about me than <laughs> Yeah. A pound or so, I reckon I can I, I can reel it in for an hour. Well let, let's dig straight into to the first question. Uh that wasn't a challenge, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we always start with uh, the first question to get us going, Amy on the podcast. So uh what does being your true authentic self mean to you? Yes. So I have been thinking about this and <laughs> I've come to a realization that I can't articulate it very well (laughs) so I'm gonna try um I there's just something about like being real I know we've obviously caught up loads about kind of our opinions on this and I think there's just something about knowing who there's a first step I think about knowing who you are so that then you know how to be that real authentic self and not not letting people kind of I don't know break it I guess I think there's something for me around like how do you stay true to that I think a lot of people do have that knowledge of who they are what being real is, is how to be authentic and then all of a sudden something happens a change in environment or a particular person I think it just moves and people are so quick to to compromise on that so I think being authentic is like truly going through 
those challenging environments where you might feel a bit out of your comfort zone or you don't feel like your authentic self is maybe even that well appreciated but how do you keep that it's kind of that resilience piece with it I think for me yeah. is how you are truly authentic yeah I think. <laughs> yes it is I think the consistency and I think you're right people or things come along and sort of knock you off being your real authentic self particularly Mm -hmm. if it's a new boss or a changing culture in the organization and that resilience piece yeah is really really important and unsurprisingly I'm going to ask you about how do you do that you know when you've had those knocks or those people who have maybe I think what you said I think was really powerful in terms of other people might not appreciate the authentic you when or if you've been in that situation how have you responded and been resilient to keep being real in those situations yeah Uh, to be really honest I haven't actually always been that good at it I think there's definitely been times where I have compromised or I think sometimes I have a bit of a flight or fight (laughs) um instinct and I think flight in particular for me was one I know like as an example I think I genuinely had a bit of a pattern of kind of two years at at companies because I think I had to flex so much um and do you know I don't even think it's flex I think it's you have to change if it compromises your authenticity I think it's you have to change and I don't think I don't think that's right I believe in being able to flex your personality and flex your style to kind of collaborate and work better with others so yeah flight was probably <laughs> the way that I dealt with it before and just kept trying to seek it in other places um I think now that I'm older and wiser <laughs> at the grand old age of 32 um <laughs> I just think fuck off to be honest <laughs> like if you yeah. don't like it whatever um I am who I am I'm always going to be who I am um the right people appreciate that about you um and the right people bring it bring out your strengths of your of who you really are I think obviously if there was like bad or not so nice traits absolutely like call me out on it I'll try and change but I think you know the general makeup of who you are authentically is it's just you get to a point it's just exhausting to keep trying to change yourself to fit other people's molds and I think at a point sod it (laughs) yeah yeah well thank you because you've been really honest and vulnerable in that in that admission that you've maybe not been that good at it previously. And, and like you said, the, the yeah. flight's response was your response to that, to get away from it perhaps rather than fight it or to face it. Mm-hmm. And and I think you're right. You know, that bit you said there, yeah, just fuck off. <laughs> but if, when I'm being me, when I'm being myself, when I know that my attitudes and behaviours are right and they live up to what I stand for, I, yeah, just, just sod off. Just, yeah. you know, it's okay. And I think you said something really powerful there that, I think anybody listening to this, particularly as leaders, I'd encourage you to to think about what Amy said there. You said about the right people bring out the strengths of who you really are. I think that's really powerful. And I think there's a bit there is, and this is something that comes up in a lot of interviews, actually, is the giving ourselves permission. Yeah. And I think I, I encourage people, give yourself permission to be with the right people, whether that's your boss, whether that's your team, you know, 
And it's not about sacking people or, like you said, moving jobs every two years. It's about looking at, okay, who are the right people who can bring my strengths to the force with me? Boss is a bit of a dick. Well, I might need a mentor to help me with it. Yep. If my team are underperforming, I have the, I don't have the right attitudes. What have I got to do to build the right relationships with them? And who's, who are the right people to support me? Because it's not about changing those people. It's about looking at, like you say, how you consistently be yourself through that. Yeah. And I think the less authentic you are, the more likely you're going to surround yourself with the wrong people. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, it's that chicken and egg a little bit, kind of catch 22. So if you're constantly changing to adapt to other people, you're going to keep surrounding yourself with the wrong people because you're not being authentic. But then how do you, like sometimes you just have to catch yourself out of the loop, I think, and, and notice it. And it's it's really difficult, but um, <laughs> I've said to you many times before, I like, you know, my parents are from Dublin, so harsh, brutal reality <laughs> is the way that my lovely Irish mum delivers feedback. Um, so I think if I was ever, you know, pivoting out of like who I truly am, I would, I do have the right people around, not always in a work setting, um, to call me out on that. And I think you do need, everyone needs at least a person that they trust to catch them on that because you can get into that really vicious loop I think of surrounding yourself with the wrong people and then constantly you know adapt it's not even adapting in the right way but you just adapt your style to fit yeah what you think they want so it's quite it's a tough one sometimes it, it is and I, th- I think one of the bits you said this was in around what you think they want but that's one of the hardest parts of it because our thoughts yeah. and feelings are real to us and it's, it's that ability to challenge that. And like you say, sometimes we need somebody to help us with that. You know, quite a few guests on the podcast have talked about they would get their team to call them out or they might have one person who would call them out. And that might be a bit of a, you don't see myself today, Amy, or it might be, Tim, you were a right dick yesterday. What What's the matter? You're right, it's having that people or persons. Because I think that bit you were saying before about where it's hard and that sort of, it is a vicious circle. So mm. if I don't be my authentic self I end up surrounded by the wrong people and I think I'd suggest I've seen that with leaders I've worked with who wouldn't want me to be myself they would want me to do what they're doing and then they end up surrounded by people who mimic them who copy them and, and, and won't dare say to that person this is how you're making me feel or you know do you realize that people are leaving because of you so they end up stuck with that wrong person, even though they go home moaning about them every night because they're either not prepared to have the conversation or are not prepared to be themselves because they feel, oh, that would be different. And, you know, there's that bit of, you said the fight and flight response before, and that can be a, a really powerful way of responding when we're fitting a mould. Yeah. I guess the opposite of that is the people who do fit the moulds and, and kind of sit in the comfort zone of, well, my boss does this, so I'll do it. The culture's this, so I'll do it. You know, that bit of yeah. it's it's always like that here, a kind of thing. So what let me ask you that is what a, you've seen that's with, a trigger sentence for me. I hate that. <laughs> it's frightening, isn't it? The, the, you know the way I mean, we it, do things around here. I'm like, no, it, yeah, it's not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> or I like it. Well, I don't like it. I don't like it, yet it makes me laugh a little bit. Is when like somebody new starts and they might say, Oh yeah, you've seen Tim tomorrow. Yeah, this is how Tim is. But that but that's just the way he is. It, what? Well, if you're telling me it's wrong, why doesn't somebody tell Tim? 
it's just yeah human behavior and again it's that i think what you said before what you think they want because that becomes the norm tim's a bit of a tyrant he shouts at people he doesn't contribute but that's just the way he is and it's that bit of i think i should say that because other people say that's the way tim is what i wanted to ask you amy is you've worked in big global organizations some that were uh, would be influenced by culture from a completely different culture to uk shall we say mm-hmm. some that would be influenced by corporateness shall we say and of course some mm-hmm. that would be influenced by the people in that organization so I just, what what molds have you seen other people fitting into uh, and why what why do you think people end up doing that in terms of just fitting a mold yeah i mean first <laughs> first thing um for me my sense of humor does not land well in the us that was a quick learning curve in the okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sarcastic <laughs> dry sense of humor um so i, I learned to uh, to shape that <laughs> pretty quick um in terms of other people do you know what this sounds so silly but i think it's so true in a corporate setting, how people dress. Oh, yes. I just think, like, that that was a big learning curve for me, actually, because I always thought, I remember when we had coaching before when we worked together, and I think I'm pretty sure I remember saying to you, like, I was finding it really hard to kind of fit, I'm going to do the fit in somewhere, because I was like, yeah. I'm just not, I'm not corporate at all. I don't have, I appreciate that there's meant to be that there is hierarchy um do I thrive with hierarchy and rules absolutely not um and that kind of like the corporate dress sense and stuff and that's the one thing if I had to nail it down that I see other people trying to fit the mold so much I think you can watch it I think as someone new sort of comes in and they're like trying to reinvent themselves and they're all like super suited and booted or glamorous or whatever and it's like this real corporate uh, I don't know how to describe it sea of black everyone's just wearing black it's really bland it's really depressing um but that's if and I know that sounds really silly but I actually think that's a reflection of who you are like how you dress how you you know if people have tattoos if people color their hair bright pink whatever they want to do um is like a reflection of themselves and I think that's something for me around the corporate world that I think actually hinders people from being their authentic selves it's like this real underlying unwritten rule that everyone fits this like stereotype of like how you dress for that corporate setting I actually think that is one thing that kind of hinders the creativity a little bit in some in some organizations because people aren't comfortable I think COVID actually probably helped a lot with that people are in the comfort of their own homes you know wearing God knows whatever they were wearing and still being able to do their jobs really well. Um, and I actually hate talking about COVID because it's just like, yeah. why, why? <laughs> um, yeah. But I do think it's a good indication now of how things are moving a little bit forward. So if I had to nail it down to one thing, I, I actually think that is it's a big thing for me. Yeah. And how much do you think, because I, I I totally agree, I, I, and I think it's easy to sort of dismiss or cover up this how we dress because ultimately that's how we present ourselves, isn't it? And 
you're right. I definitely did it in the past. You know, I, I tell a story in my book about when I got my first promotion to lead the team that I used to be part of, and the Monday morning I turn up in a new suit, and that was just simply because my boss wore suits. Yeah. You know that that that's what he did. So I thought, well, if I'm the boss, I have to wear a suit. And okay, back then was wearing a suit for work something massively different. No. It wasn't me, you know, mm. that, that I, I wasn't kind of the corporate leader of I must wear a shirt and tie yeah. and I look forward to wearing it. Yet I thought that's what I had to do. And you're right, it's, it is part of behaviour, isn't it? It's that bit of either buying the clothes or opening your wardrobe in the morning and, you know, do we think, well, I'm going to wear what I love wearing or am I going to wear what I think helps me to fit in? Yeah. And, it, and it's watching what, other people and changing, isn't it? Because I remember being an intern, uh, I was at AIG, and I was working on this like women in leadership program. And I remember just watching like this sea of women in like super high heels and like really corporate. And I remember thinking that is, you know, if I'm going to be taken seriously around here, like that's how I have to dress. And now yeah, you're lucky if you get me out of my vans by the time I'm yeah. in the office, to be honest. But I'm <laughs> running around. Like, I don't need to be in a pair of bloody heels <laughs> doing that. Yeah, um, It's just, like, it is the most... It's the most ridiculous thing ever, but you just—I see it all the time. Um, yeah. It just—it makes me laugh, to be honest. <laughs> do you? What do you think is a contributor to that? Because this would be interesting for people listening to—is it more the external perception or the internal perception? So, do you think that's driven more by the external perception of well, everybody else wears a suit, so if I don't then they might see me as a threat. They might tell me off. They might uh, speak to me differently or I just won't fit in. Or is it more the internal perception of I need to fit in because I don't want to be different or I've got to kind of toe the line? Is it, is it a bit of an internal perception of uh, it's kind of self-preservation, so dress the same as everyone else? What, what do you think? Yeah, I wonder. That's a good one, actually. I think it's, it's probably a, a mix of both. Um, and I guess I kind of like completely glossed over the the question around the culture piece, but I was eventually coming to it in that I think the cultural impact, especially in global organisations, has has that effect. I think if some companies are super hierarchical um, in the places where maybe like the parent company is, I think that filters down a lot more in terms of the dress code. So then I think you do have that internal people would have that internal battle of, ah, okay, like this is how I'm meant to kind of, I don't know, conform to society or whatever the, whatever that yeah. feel is. I think, I think it's, a, it is about being taken seriously. And, and I think it was only, I mean, look, there's so many organisations, right, that don't have dress codes um, and do just as well. I think it's, it's funny because I'm back in insurance now and I really see it after working at an organisation that like has had no dress code. Um, like our chief people officer would come in in her gym kit and she was just as amazing as she would do, be if she was in like, I don't know, super corporate clothes. Um, but you see it a lot more. And I think financial services in particular, I don't know if it's just a, like a historical thing. I'm not, I don't know, but I think it's probably yeah. then an internal factor for, for people to feel that they have to, Fit yeah. the, fit the bill. Yeah, it's weird. Like I said, the conformity piece, the historically right in certain sectors. Mm. 
I remember working with an insurance company right at the start of 2020. So it must be about January 2020 going to London. So it's before we had to work online because of COVID. And I walked mm. in there and they all had suits and shirts and ties on. And yeah. I instantly felt uncomfortable. I mean, you know me, I, I dress well. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'd like to think I dress smart. I have a particular way of dressing because I'm a mod. But I, <laughs> I felt a bit uncomfortable. And it, it, I was sat in reception thinking, oh, these guys aren't going to like me. And they're going to judge me and, and 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 it's going to be probably thinking it might be too corporate or the reality was I was probably shitting myself thinking these guys are going to be far too intelligent for me or far too uh, into their, uh, you know, their intelligent or their role, yeah. their expertise. That's the word I'm looking for rather than wanting to work with me from a leadership point of view. And, and the, the complete opposite was true. You know, they were great. They absolutely yeah. loved it. We didn't even talk about it because it didn't need to come up. You could see that it wasn't an issue. That was just the way they dressed. So when I got them into an open environment, they were great. You know, I'm working with another organization currently, and they turn up in their shorts and sliders, <laughs> I think you call them. Clearly, I don't yeah. wear sliders. Uh, they're in hoodies, the jeans, they're just dead relaxed. You and I turn up with them, and I've got like me, you know, my smart pants on, my loafers and everything else and i'm thinking oh god these guys aren't gonna like me (laughs) yeah yeah what are they gonna think of me again the reality is the brilliant people like unbelievable leaders in that room and and it's just it's a good demonstration what you're talking about is actually somebody can have the shirt and the suit and somebody can have the shorts and the sliders and the reality is it's the human being isn't it so what just on that amy what what bit of advice or or maybe even like top tip because what, what we're talking about here is is really when when they're fit in that mold of dressing how they think others want them to dress and perhaps mm. be, behaving how they think others want them yeah. to, maybe living up to that perception or that stereotype internally, that's not being the leader you want to be. That's being something else based on your thoughts and feelings. So yeah. what would be your top tip for someone to be the leader they want to be, to be able to not conform and have that confidence to go in in however they would like to dress? Yeah. Um, the leadership thing is a really interesting one, I think, because you're, you're role modelling, right, aren't you? So the pressure is on so much more, I think, to be authentic because people, yes. all of a sudden, you're not that little intern that's watching everyone in the leadership programmes um, and trying to be them. People are looking at you as a leader so I think it's there's a bit around for me around remembering like how impressionable people can be um but I think you just gotta no one else is gonna back you as much as you back yourself so this is coming from a person who has had ridiculous amounts of imposter syndrome in her career and I think at some point as a leader and in a leadership role you just have to trust that it's not a fluke that you got to where you are like you got to where you are because you are actually good at your role (laughs) and what you do I play it down all of the time I'm like oh just wing it you know like pick it up as it goes no like I'd actually know what I'm fucking talking about (laughs) at some point of the day not all the time um so I think as a leader it's remembering you know like that could be really impressionable on other people if I'm like oh you know like I just kind of wing it and I think you lose your credibility number one um 
and then also people aren't necessarily looking up to in terms of like how they could kind of progress their career either so I think actually it's that level of self-awareness again um, as a leader I think to be remember that you are the you're the role model people are impressionable um, and and back yourself in terms of how you got there without an ego though <laughs> you can back yeah. yourself <laughs> but not with an ego because then they're going to think you're a dick <laughs> that's not going to be good either no so uh, thank you because I'm just going to play back something you said that I think is really really powerful and I think it's really important people take this away from this episode is no one else is going to back you as much as you back yourselves I think that's mm. such a powerful statement and, and, and I think you know because of what you were talking about there it, it's hard to back ourselves sometimes and we like wait for other people don't we and yeah, then and that doesn't time. come it, it, we don't realise we're waiting for that and then, then that implodes on ourselves and yeah now, in terms of the ego piece, then how mm. how how do people get that balance right in terms of backing themselves, having that confidence versus it not turning into ego or arrogance? I guess is where ego leads us. Mm. What 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 helps people to get that balance right? I'll give everyone my mum's phone number, and she will knock the ego <laughs> right out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you know what? Is it hotline? Yeah. God, yeah, that would be humbling for a lot of people, Bessa. Um, (laughs) I think, again, I don't know, I said it earlier, so it would be good to come up with different things, but it is truly surrounding yourself with the right people, I think, that keeps your feet firmly on the ground. Um, Yeah. So, you know, those people that you can trust and confide in that are going to celebrate your wins are going to be there for you when things are a bit shit. But equally, if you're getting a bit big-headed, are going to pull you right back down to earth and call you out on it because there is nothing better than having those people that you trust that can, and I say call you out, but, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be like a, a conflict conversation, but it's those people that are just like, oh, shut up. Like you've, everyone's yeah. got those mates when you're doing really well. And if you get a bit braggy, they're like, oh, come on, get off it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's so important. Um, and if you can get that in a work setting as well, have those like really, truly build relationships with people where you can have those honest conversations and you can like laugh and joke about it or whatever, but as long as someone has the opportunity, I think if you're open enough to receive that feedback where someone can go, oh, a bit yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. Fine line. <laughs> it, it is. Um, I'd suggest, though, that we all have that person out there. We might have people out there. And it mm-hmm. It's just fascinating listening to you talk because that bit about keeping your feet on the ground, that, that's the bit that society celebrates, isn't it? So when somebody becomes famous or is successful, if we see them as, oh, they're still humble and they've got their feet on the ground, they're like a real British hero. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't do that. And then the message five, ten years later from the person or, or us as the public going, oh, you should have kept your feet on the ground and you should have been more humble. And, and, I, and I only use that as an example because we talk about it a lot with these sort of famous people. But you're right, it's really important to us, isn't it? No matter what your job is, no matter what you do, a leader of an organisation, a leader of a team, a member of a team, you're right, there is that piece of actually looking, yeah, 
who are the people who can help me to keep my feet on the ground? Yeah. Who do I ask to hold me accountable? What's that saying? You hit the same people on the way down as you saw on the way up. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true, isn't it? I think there's so many people that get just way above sort of their station. Um, yeah. I think in terms of just thinking they're way more important than than other people. Um, and you're not. And I remember... Again, when I worked at AIG, and I, I always think about it because I was so young because I started as a, I did like a placement internship. So I was still at university. And I remember just, I mean, I would make friends with a brick wall, but <laughs> I would just talk to anyone and everyone. And I don't know, someone works in catering, someone's on reception, someone's flipping COO or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just like... And I will say this to you as well, like being a leader, it's like just give a shit about people. I think it's not even just being a, when you're a leader, I think it's all the time. Just genuinely actually care that it comes across authentic if you're truly trying to build relationships with people and you want to talk to them. But like I used to be able to get so much more done in the company than anyone else because I spoke to everyone. So, you know, I always had a, a friend somewhere that could help me out with something if I was struggling or if I was trying to get things I don't know you know it's like when you're trying to coordinate like programs and stuff and everything's last minute like if you know the right people and you're not just constantly asking them for favors because you've actually been nice to them at other points and you genuinely say thank you like you can go much further and I, I don't know I think people really underplay the importance of building relationships and they just yeah. focus on that upward trajectory and you know build them in the way that they think it matters because that's what's going to get them up the ladder yeah rather than think about everyone because that's yeah. actually so much more powerful yeah brilliant way to say it as a leader give a shit about people and it I always okay, say that at the beginning of leadership programs. yeah but I, people get it and I, and I think like okay somebody about this is thinking well that's the bleeding obvious yet there's enough leaders out there that don't do it enough, like you say, don't say thank you, don't show that they give a shit, don't tell people that they give a shit. And, and we all know how to do that. You know, obviously, the, the, the more skillful leaders, the more uh, inspirational leaders ask people, what do I need to do so you know I give a shit about it, so you know I care. And, you know, it's no secret that, certainly from my experience, the leaders I work with who might rail against certainly some of my messages or other people in the room when we're talking about giving a shit about people and helping people and being there as a leader, you know, they might rail against it yet in the next breath that they'll moan about how much they're doing the, of the things that their team should be doing, uh, how often they have to recruit. And it's like, well, yeah, you're probably doing all that work instead of your team because they know you don't give a shit about them. You know, yep. newsflash dickhead, people don't do things for you if they know you don't care about them. Sorry, that's not sure. new, is it? Conversely, why are you always recruiting? Well, you know, when people talk about that, I say, all right, you're recruiting a lot. Are you growing? Are you getting a new team? No, no, I'm replacing people who are leaving. Oh. Okay. Maybe you've just answered your own question then, yeah. yeah. So it, I think there's a problem there. <laughs> it, yeah, so it is, it, and I think it's the bit you said before, is it, it's that awareness, isn't it? You know, I, I, I learned this the very, very hard way many years ago where a, a, a boss of mine who's still a mentor for me now, and he asked me two questions, separate times that relate to what I've just said there. 
I'd gone in on a bank holiday randomly at this organization and mm. I did loads of work. And he said to me, thank you. He said, what are your team doing, Tim? And I was like, what? Kind of taken aback by it. His message was, if you've got to work bank holidays, what are your team doing? He said, because you're, he said, I, what you've done on that bank holiday is the work that your team is responsible for. He said, I admire you. I like the fact that you're helping him. He said, I just really want you to go away and think about what your team doing if you've got to give up your bank holidays or you're choosing to. Mm-hmm. And then maybe six to 12 months later, you know, this is why this guy's still a mentor for me now. I, I was the person moaning about recruitment and, oh, I've got to do another interview. Got to do. And he was the one who asked me that. Okay, Tim, why are we always recruiting then? And I was like, oh, because they leave, don't they? And he said, well, why do they leave? And he, and he gave me a really harsh lesson, really, in thinking about holding the mirror up because I'd never thought about that. I just thought, I'll just blame that. I'll just blame Amy because she's left this week and I'll blame Dave because he's leaving next week. And yeah. it ne- genuinely never occurred to me to stop and think, yeah, actually, they're leaving me. And and maybe, you know, for every five people who might have left in the last 12 months, how many of them are actually would cite me as a reason for leaving? Not all of them. I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet there, but we know that within turnover, there's yeah. some natural attrition and everything else like that. Yeah. And it is, there's two things, isn't there, just to be aware of, really. If you're doing the work that your team should be doing, why? And if you're always recruiting, well, why? What are you doing to contribute to that? Yeah. Now, there's still that. Uh, Nicky, it's yours. <laughs> uh, the man who needs credit for it is called Martin. That's who asked me those <laughs> questions. <laughs> now, we might have teed this up really nicely, Amy, because I think there's some good context that we talked about there. So this is the bit where I'm going to ask you what I ask every guest. And this is about yes. what a leader must do. Okay. And it's split into three different areas, and I'm going to do one at a time with you. So the first one is what must a leader always do? Can he give a shit about the people again? No, I'm joking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, go on then. I think that's, in a nutshell, I know I say it like a bit off the cuff, um, joking around, but it is so true. I think a leader has to genuinely care about the people in their team. I think, I, I just don't think it's a, a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. I think with if you've got the right intentions and you actually care about how well they do, if they're happy, if they're getting everything they need from you, you're always going to do the right thing as a leader because you're coming from the right place. So I think, yeah, that's the one for me. Yeah, I, I think it's really pertinent in terms of always because when people need empathy and compassion you need to be there as a leader when people need a bit of a kick up the backside and they need someone to give you the harsh feedback holds you accountable yet also show i want to understand this from your perspective so if your performance isn't right what's going on for you what what do you need from me you know what is it that you're doing contributing to i I think for me consistently right leaders must always give a shit about their people so next up then is what must a leader sometimes do I think sometimes as a leader, some, yeah, something that you have to do sometimes is push yourself outside of your comfort zone, I think. For me, it's not it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, that you're going to have to deliver some tough decisions, tough messages. You're going to have to have some tough conversations sometimes. Um and I think that's a bit 
for me in the job that I do where I see I don't want to say lack of skill I think that's a bit unfair but I think that's the bit where I see people struggle the most in a leadership role and I think that's something that you definitely sometimes have to do because I think you're being you're being true to yourself by having some of those difficult conversations um in terms I'm thinking about feedback predominantly um so yeah I think that's something that a leader sometimes has to do yeah lovely Anna I think it's a great choice for sometimes because if we try to be outside of our comfort zone always, that that's hard, isn't it? it, it we might mm-hmm. consistently feel like that in our first year of leadership or the, or the, the next you know uh, leadership role that we get, yet pushing ourselves always out of it's hard because that can make us question ourselves. It can make us be less present because we're constantly thinking yeah. about those challenges. Can, can I just ask you, before I ask that, the third bit of this mm-hmm. question, here, but just in terms of comfort zone, what's your approach to that? Do you do you plan that over, I don't know, 12 months ago? Okay, in the next 12 months, this is what I'm going to do to get out of, 12, out of my comfort zone, sorry. Or mm-hmm. are, you, are you a bit more spontaneous and you see the chance to have a difficult conversation or you see the chance to do something new? What, what What's kind of your approach to it Um, that's a really good question actually and I don't I don't do it as much as I should I don't think um particularly from a like a developmental perspective of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone um I think yeah I mean as humans we know what we're good at right and it's a lot easier to stick to stick to that um yeah I do I really like um, the whole like squiggly career concept. Um, So I think for me, the way that I do push myself out of my comfort zone um, isn't, it's not very well planned, but I do think I have like a broader, I guess a broader vision on like what I may or may not do. So I don't like just kind of stick onto the railroad. So I definitely like put my hands up for, for new projects that might help me learn a new skill or to work with different people that maybe I haven't had a chance to to work with yet that I know, you know, I definitely will have to flex my style with um, in terms of how I work. So I think I do it like that, but it's not, I'm not going to lie, I'll be really honest, it's not well planned out. It should be better. It's, it's okay. a takeaway that I'm going to work on following this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I was going to get homework. What? <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that yeah uh, I mean, I, clearly a lot of the listeners i need to and i, I only ask genuinely because it people do have different approaches to it don't they it, it I, I think for me what's really important about what you talked about there and i, and I guess this is, a, is is perhaps a question in, in the way i work or hopefully the way i word it for the listeners really is t- to me what you're doing is taking the opportunities when they arise and, and perhaps that yeah. is the planned in in your mind perhaps subconsciously is you know and have the confidence that you'll take those opportunities and yeah. again have a like you say work with somebody different have the different conversation i think it's really important because i i know from experience i'd suggest the people who are full of inertia and cynical don't take those opportunities when they come along they, they yeah. won't jump at the bit to, to get on a new project and if they are on a new project they'll be one of the blockers rather than an enabler so yeah, I think perhaps you're doing yourself a disservice and perhaps subconsciously the plan's yeah. there because you know that you'll take them and have the confidence to do it. Yeah, maybe. I like that. I'll take that. <laughs> you can have it. 
Uh, right, final part of this question then is what must a leader never do? So many things that I'm not going to say on the podcast. <laughs> so many things that I've yeah. seen that should not be done. Um, never, I think you're in a position of trust and I just think you should never ever ever break that trust that psychological safety that you need to build up um with your team I think once you lose the trust of those people in your team that is a bad bad place to be and I think it's really really difficult to get that back um so yeah I think as a leader you should never break the trust that you build within your team And you, I've seen so many leaders do that. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, there's something you said right at the start of that about you are in a position of trust. Oh. It, it, yeah. But I think that's a lovely reminder to everybody listening that, yeah, as soon as you get the opportunity to lead that team, there's, there's instantly that element of trust that's put into you, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. You're responsible so, for people all of a sudden, I think. And you just. Yeah. You can't, you can't forget that. I think people, a few people that I've seen in the past are, are leaders, and I think it's the whole thing around not everyone should be and can be a leader either. So, so many organisations promote on that technical capability, then all of a sudden people are responsible for for other human beings, and they don't want it, um, and they're not good at it, and it's that's a tricky place to be and I think if you have the opportunity to be a leader and that's where you want to be you know you're responsible for people and their feelings and their progression their development and you need to do that on a really strong foundation of trust and I just I don't think you can break that ever it's not a good place to be yeah I want to ask you something on that then so um Go. well there's a couple of questions really um because I think it's beautiful what you're saying, and you are. I've, I've seen that first. I've done it firsthand. Many I'd like to say many years ago, in terms of breaking trust as a leader and not respecting the fact that I'm in that position of trust. And mm-hmm. you know, we know all the things that break trust. I guess why? Why do you think leaders break trust? Again, is it the external perception, the internal? What What do you think leads to that or contributes to them breaking that trust? I like to think the best of people, so I like to think that it's not intentional. Um, yeah. Although there are some narcissistic people out there that um, there are, they don't listen to are. this though. <laughs> no, thank God. I could probably name and shame them. Um, <laughs> I think people get lost along the way sometimes. I don't think every, no one's perfect. Um, yeah. So I don't think people do it with ill intentions, but I just think it's. It's sometimes it's a bit of a lonely. Depending on what kind of organisation you're in, it could be a bit of a lonely world as a leader, I think, if you don't have like a big peer group or, you know, you haven't built those kind of relationships across that peer group. Um, And I think that's sometimes the moments when you can you can break the trust because you're maybe not. Yeah, you're just kind of like working on a bit of a hope and a prayer and you don't really have things well planned out. Um, And I think it can be. I'm trying to think of an example, really, but 
you know, people obviously confide in you, in your team about things. And I think it, it can be easy to, to need to share that potentially with other people. If you haven't built strong relationships, you could share that with the wrong person and that would be breaking the trust. Yeah. Um, as an example for me, um, when you're trying to do, it's, yeah, it's, it's not intentional. You're trying to kind of share a problem with someone so that you can get some, some knowledge, some feedback, some kind of words of wisdom. And sometimes that can be the wrong person. And then they abuse that kind of position of power um, for other things sometimes. And I think that's, that's hard to recover from as a leader if you've not, yeah. especially if you're not intentionally meant to do it. Right? Like it's, it's hard, but you learn. That's like, yeah, you make mistakes. Yeah. We have, yeah, and, and, and I, I think you're right. I just, it's lovely. There's a lot of empathy coming from me there for, for leaders because you're right. We a lot of that ends up being done unintentionally, and mm. you know, there's that bit. I think say, the loneliness as a leader is real. I, I, yeah. it, it is um, definitely, uh, but you know, I mean, that can be in the biggest organisation, you know, and that goes right up to. The CEO is the classic example we always use of that. CEOs often find it the loneliest place in the world because yeah. they literally have everybody relying on them. So, yeah, it's, yeah, there's a nice bit there of, you know, perhaps if somebody is doing that to break trust, perhaps there's a nice lesson there for us to think about, I guess, from a leadership point of view, think about what might you be doing unintentionally and what are the conversations to have. And conversely, thinking about for others, if somebody's done something to break your trust, remind ourselves, just look at it from their perspective yeah. What might be going? This isn't about making excuses for them. It's going holding them accountable by first thinking, right, what was going on for them at that moment? What might have caused them to do that? Right, what yeah. what's the feedback I need to give them? How do I hold them accountable to let them know when you did that? It broke my trust. Yeah, and as a leader, I don't think you need to overthink it, but sometimes you do need to be a little bit ahead of the game. So I think you just need to play stuff forward a little bit. Yeah. Of you know, if it goes right, this is what's happening could happen if it goes wrong this is what could happen and it doesn't I definitely don't condone like overthinking it because I think that stops you from from acting with your gut and I think your gut instinct is definitely one to follow however yeah. it can be wrong sometimes so I think if you just play it I'm very uh, and I guess I'm saying this from personal experience I think I definitely rely on my gut instinct but I'm equally very bull in a china shop <laughs> um and I like to move fast on things. And I think sometimes that could stop you from doing the right things if you don't take that little second to just reflect and, and play it forward yeah. and see what could happen um, if it went tits up. <laughs> what, you know, yeah, what does yeah. that look like? And then what's what's the impact that that then has on others? I think there's, there's something around we just operate at a 1,000 miles an hour a lot of the time at work and think it's yeah. just hitting the the pause button for a second on certain things yeah i think you're right it all it, 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 is this a take that song i'm about to bloody use the call but it, it only takes a second doesn't it, it uh, to to think about that so and the reason i'm saying okay. that and now I'm just trying to think of the bloody take that song um but <laughs> The reason I'm saying that is you're right. Going into a meeting, we can stop and think, yeah, actually, what could I do to make this go tits up? And if I do, what's the impact? So what, what do I need to do to make sure that doesn't happen? You're right. It, it's just that small amount of time to just do that internal self-coaching to recognize, okay, I'm in control of not doing the things that might break trust. I'm in control of doing the things that will build yeah. trust today. Now, yeah. the other question I wanted to ask you, because I, I think you, 
you're definitely right what you said before around that piece of not everyone uh, is right to be a leader. You're right. It, sometimes, in fact, one of the best CEOs I've ever worked with as a coaching client, that was their uh, that's conclusion that they reached. So they then structured it so they didn't have any direct line reports. Oh, they had somebody working very closely with them and they were then able to focus much more on the business development and the oh. the, the product development, which is what they love to do. They, they were CEO because they'd founded the business. They weren't CEO because they'd applied for it and had years of leadership experience. It just happened for them. Oh. And they realized, yeah, actually, I, I don't enjoy the leadership side of it. I, I find it hard. I, my brain is so focused on business development. And the coach Nadi with them was helping them to establish that new way of working and look at the behaviours they needed to role model to the rest of the business, even though they weren't a leader. And I just want to stress about that. How, how can people make that conscious decision for themselves, do you think? What, what's either a tangible thing they could do or a practical thing or questions they could ask themselves just to really find out for themselves that leadership is right for them or not, as the case may be? Yeah, I'm- it's a tough one because I don't think every organisation is as forward thinking on that. I think a lot of organisations, you you may not have the choice. Like if you're just really capable and competent in your yeah. role and you keep moving up, all of a sudden, hey, you've got a team. Um, I think there's definitely some self-reflection pieces there, I think, in terms of understanding your your strengths. So go like go out to... And everyone gets nervous about feedback, but you know, like that 360 feedback, go out to to people and find out what some of your strengths are, what some of your weaknesses are. And I think, you know, naturally you should in theory start to see a bit of a pattern about whether that is, you know, helping and supporting other people and caring about other people's development. If things like that are coming up as strengths, probably gonna be a good leader because it comes naturally to you. If yeah. things like that fall into the weakness bucket or don't come up at all um you know you're really good with running on your own and delivering <laughs> in your own time frames or you know nothing around collaboration and working with others probably not going to be the best that's a bit mean you might still be a really good leader you've just not had the coaching or the guidance or anything yet yeah but it doesn't come natural and actually ask yourself is that something that you pushing yourself out of your comfort zone where are you going to push it are you pushing it to learn more from a technical competency point of view of your your world of work or are you pushing yourself out of your comfort zone because you want to help other people to develop and like it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows right like sometimes you're just approving holiday <laughs> you have to have performance yeah. rating conversations yeah. you have to yeah. someone's calling return to sick. work interviews yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> or great news you're running a disciplinary today like yeah. it's not all good stuff so I think you do have to think about the realities of what that entails and and what bits would you enjoy what bits wouldn't you but you actually don't really get to compromise on that so if, if it outweighs that there's more that you wouldn't do you know, yeah. I don't want to be having those conversations. I don't want to be in a position where I might have to put someone on a performance improvement plan, then try and avoid it maybe because if that's not something you're going to want to do, it's not something you're going to naturally try and push yourself to develop in and then you're actually not going to deliver any of that very well. So yeah. it's not helping you and it's not helping the individual. So I think there's there's things like that for people to think about around what it really entails. I think we can glamorize the leadership role 
quite a lot um, in terms of, you know, like you're guiding people and they're following you and you're like creating this massive path for people to follow. And then reality is there's some really shit days. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And that's part and parcel of it. And I think you have to have that reality hat on. Yeah. And it, I think there's a great reminder in there that no one knows what's going to happen. No one knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And the role as a leader can be at the forefront of that, can't they? If somebody said to me 20-odd yeah. years ago that these are the things you'd have to deal with as a leader, I'd be like, what? what? Why am I? What? Yeah. what? What? Are you insane? Yeah, it, it comes at you from nowhere. And I love your suggestion around getting clarity, maybe speaking to existing leaders to understand actually what – what what can't be compromised, like you mm-hmm. say, well, you're going to have to sign all of these off and some days you might have to deal with a disciplinary, some days you're going to have to have a difficult conversation. Yeah. I think that's a great suggestion, particularly for people who are considering that leadership career in the future, yeah, is just getting that yeah. context informed from other people and then decide actually, yeah, is that what I want to be getting out of bed in the morning to go and do? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I've always found the hardest, one of the hardest things is that, so you don't just have to understand um, a company so whatever organization you're in you don't just have to understand the strategy and the part that you play but as a leader all of a sudden you have to be able to communicate that down and make that real and impactful and meaningful for someone else and I think that it's the one of the bits for me whenever I like design any leadership programs that like I get really hung up on that and I don't know if it's a bit because I I don't necessarily find it difficult but I just don't think anyone's ever really taken the time to go actually all of a sudden you're you're responsible for taking this wishy-washy five bullet point thing and making it real for someone else um and I think that's one thing as a leader that for me I've always just gone well that's actually it's quite difficult sometimes um yeah to make sure that people are on board with that and that'd be one of the examples I would use of where it's not always that easy so like have a think about you know what your strengths are and and if they naturally fit into those kind of roles yeah there's a nice almost like temperature check there is it as to how confident you are in that because I, I think the strategy piece is a great example because you're right that is that just that bit that you just expected to do and you know you could throw in change management to me you know we could yeah. list a load of bloody things and yeah you're right it's having that awareness and thinking okay well what what does great look like who could help with that how do I learn to be able to do that with my team and yeah, because there's so much to think about in there, isn't there? It just comes with the territory that, yeah, it's being able to have that clarity of that's what's going to be expected. Yeah. Okay, now let's shift the dial a bit. <laughs> so thank you for sharing everything there. Um, and I love that we're talking a bit wider in terms of that that career and that leadership career. And I, and I think this is really yep. important for people to think about how they can make that choice. So speaking of another choice, the, the million-dollar question within the podcast is, uh, about the word that I use to describe people with little or no self-awareness and who demonstrate irritating behaviours to others. Yes. So, Amy, tell us, how can our audience stop themselves from being a dickhead? I mean, sometimes we're all going to be one for a little bit, but I think what I would say is think about all the things that someone else might do that would make you turn around to your mate or someone that you work with and go, what a fucking dickhead and then just don't do any of those things (laughs) yeah it sounds so simple but I think if you actually think about the things that would impact you and make you say that don't do those things I think that's brilliant advice yeah it's so it's so simple but like when do we ever do that (laughs) 
I don't... You're right. And, and the hard... No, I don't want to describe it as the hard bit. I want to describe it as the best bit about that is because when people do those dickhead things, what we want to do is reciprocate it. So Amy doesn't listen to me. Why should I listen to Amy? Amy doesn't include me. Why should I include Amy? And all of the worst things that people do in terms of the dickhead things. Yet the reality is you're right. Have that checklist to go. Well, no, even if Amy doesn't include me, I'll keep including Amy. If Amy doesn't listen to me, I'll make sure I always listen to her and I'll make sure she knows that I've really listened to her. Because that, that's actually the best bit of it. That's the most powerful piece because being able to walk away from having done that with people who perhaps don't treat you the way you want to be treated is, is from a confidence point of view, it's absolutely huge. And it's not about taking the moral high ground. It's about being able to say, no, just because they do that, I'm not going to do it. And it, yeah. it's hard because human behavior tells us if they have a go at me, I'll have a go back. And they, sometimes that's the right thing to do. I think what, what you shared there is a brilliant way of holding ourselves account to say, no, whatever happens, I always have a choice. And actually, but if this person treats me like this, then I'll make sure I treat them like this. It's basically it reminds me of some advice, but I, I'm not going to say where this was or anything. Uh, I was getting treated really badly at a particular organisation. I was being lied to, ultimately all about my job being made redundant. Mm. And I remember speaking to somebody about it and as a mentor, and one of my mentors, and that's the advice they gave me. Remember, Tim, when you go into that meeting, you don't want to be like them. So how can you be like you, yeah. even in those really difficult times? And it, it really made me think it was hard. Don't get me wrong, it was hard to oh, do. Yeah. Yet looking back, it was one of the best bits of advice I got. And I'm actually really proud of myself, the way I responded and that I didn't yeah. I didn't kind of get drawn into the fight. I, I allowed I allowed all of the negative behavior to only come from them. And it and you know, so day to day it definitely only reflects on them. Yeah, I needed yeah. that advice. I needed somebody to say just remember how you want to behave because they're going to behave like dickheads. So remember how you want to behave. And yeah, I I love it. I think everybody should do that. Write the list of the things that others might do that make them a dickhead and don't do those things. Imagine everyone's going to have like four or five pages. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what though? Amy, I I think you've just come up with a brilliant thing for people to do with their teams. Yeah. Why, Why not have a dickhead list in your team? It, you don't have to – it's not about judging other people or being personal or anything. It is literally just saying, right, come on then, what are the things that we might do that would make us dickheads? Right, let's all sign up to not doing those things and hold each other accountable to it. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Out. Yeah, yeah. I could do it with my team. Well, it, it's, it's a great way of having better meetings, isn't it? Yeah, which we need. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, maybe the dickhead list is the secret to effective meetings, not not agendas and all those other crap that people tell you to do. Yeah. But I think what's brilliant about what you're suggesting there, though, is I, I believe that makes it easier for leaders to hold themselves and the team accountable when they might demonstrate attitudes and behaviours that nobody wants. It's easy to call it out and go, right, Amy, we, we've said in this team that not listening is a dickhead you've got your camera off you're on mute we haven't heard anything yeah. from you that that suggests to me you're not really listening i, I allow you to come back and yeah. t- tell me i allow you to challenge that yeah it's that ability to call it answer look we as a team have agreed this this is what we're going to challenge each other on yeah you've got that context that trust rather again, than, isn't it yeah 
rather than me awkwardly saying, Amy, could you turn your camera on, please? Or worse, ignoring it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, which so many people do. Yeah, I think it just gives you that... um, that open like segue to being able to to call people out on things and yeah. across all levels, you know, people calling the leader out, the leader calling the team out, yeah. peers calling each other out, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, in a, in a humorous way then as well. I think it like breaks the like you said it breaks the awkwardness because yeah, you can say hey, dickhead list, <laughs> like, yeah, come on. Yeah, um, yeah. And it stops people from like feeling too shy to be able to do it, I think, then as well, because you can all and as a as a leader, you just have to really role model that behaviour though, so that you know, you don't want to create that that environment yes. where there's the fear of feeding it back upwards. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great, isn't it? If if a yeah. leader has that accountability that they have to role model not doing those things. What a brilliant, what wow, that you you Said it right at the start, oh. didn't you, about the environment and where people work, and I guess going back to giving a shit about the people. But that the, yeah. what a powerful way of doing that. It's, these people want to walk in that room and think, yeah, if Amy does any of these things, I, I can call her out, either in the moment or after the after the situation. I, I can go, Amy, can I have a word with you. Look, this is you know, this is how I felt yeah. today. This is what I think you were doing. And by the way, dickhead list to me, you were doing this. Yeah, what a brilliant because. I think what's brilliant about what, what you've uncovered there, I think, Amy. I feel like we've um, well pace. <laughs> I know, yeah. I think we have. So yeah. we do climate change next. <laughs> uh, I was going to say something then that would get me in massive trouble with Greta Thunberg, so I won't. Um, mm-hmm. I think what you've discovered, I think, is a great way of building that team of like, people like context. Yeah. You know, we like talking in context, don't we? We like using analogies and you know, or some people might like context of detail and rules and procedure. Other people like context of results. When when you yep. create that culture in that way by having that dickhead list, it gives people a context, so then they're not afraid of you know it, often difficult conversations are because I think my context you might not agree with, and I worry that your context is different to mine. And now we're going to have to have an argument about whose context is right. And actually, when you have the dickhead list, well, we've agreed the context. Yeah. Yeah, so true. So there's no there's no grey area there then either. Yeah. I like that. Uh, uh, So for our our listeners, I I want to see (laughs) copies of your dickhead list. Oh, God, imagine if it's just like loads of traits about me. Laughs too much, talks too much, says too much. <laughs> it definitely wouldn't. Uh, I yeah, <laughs> I, I think that is the secret of uh, enabling that context and a big part of opening conversations is just yeah. like, let's create a dickhead list and all each other accountable to it. Lovely stuff. Right. Uh, in a moment, we're going to get your book and music recommendation, which. Uh, your music recommendation might might be difficult, so I'm glad that we're building up to that for you, Amy. Well, it's changed. So the, the, the final question that I ask everybody on this, and this is a nice way of summarising what we've talked about. It might be about reiterating the key points that you've talked about today. Mm-hmm. The, the, the final question is, why must it always start with you? Because you're the only person that you can change in a good in a good way not the change that we we're talking about at the beginning you're 
you're the only person that's accountable for you, really. So I think it has to start with you because that's the only way that it's going to have that catalyst effect of positivity, good things happening. It can't yeah. start anywhere else because you have to want it. You have to want it yourself. Yeah. That's beautiful. Funny. Beautiful because <laughs> so because you're the only person that you can change. It's just so true, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't... In a in a good way though, not the not the change that we were talking about at the beginning around like trying to fit other people's stereotypes. No, no, I think the, the good the good change. Yeah. So why why do you think that often leaders spend or I will say waste too much time and energy trying to change other people or expecting other people to change rather than looking at how do I change myself? Because we're humans and we're idiots <laughs> yeah that's why i, I fit um, into that camp definitely so i think it's um there's this weird thing i think like in humanity about like wanting to be able to change people um yeah. and i actually think it's a bit of an ego thing to be honest being able to like be that person that's that's made someone change but it's just, like, yeah. people have to want it themselves Otherwise, it's not going to happen. You might be able to temporarily guide them on a path that's going to help them change for a little bit. But if someone doesn't want it, they're not going to. They're not yeah. going to change. They're not going to, you know, start showing up to work on time and putting all this energy in if they, they actually don't care. Um, yeah, it's always going to be a plaster over it. But yeah, I think, I think it's that mistake. You know, we were saying again, like where people become leaders into these roles and they just I think they think that's what they need to do um and I think there's so much there's a reason why every single leadership development program starts with like self-reflection and emotional yeah. intelligence yeah because you need to understand well, at least the good yourself. ones do the good, <laughs> they should do <laughs> if they don't <laughs> you know like you need to understand yourself so that you understand yeah. the impact you're having on other people and then how you need to change to kind yeah. of suit the environments um to help your team it's never about changing other people it's about how you are more effective as an individual so i yeah. think it it does baffle me as to why we waste so much time trying to change people it's just doesn't yeah <laughs> no it doesn't and I, I think it's fascinating I, I just you know i love that bit you said about it, it because you're the only person you can change i think that's really important to remember because it, you're right it's we're humans we're idiots we think <laughs> I have to change Amy, you know, I have to go in and Amy's not doing this or Amy's not doing that. And you're right, people have to want to change. And I think it's just so important, like you say, start with that self-reflection, start with that emotional intelligence. And I think sometimes leaders, we need to challenge ourselves more that, okay, if Tim isn't performing and I, and I want to help Tim to change that performance, rather than thinking, right, well, I just need to get Tim to change. I think the first step definitely is to look at yourself and go, what, what do I need to change to help Tim? Because whatever I'm doing now isn't helping him well enough or it certainly comes across like it's not working because if my team are underperforming, that reflects on me as well. Mm -hmm. So what can I do to change that? I, I was working with a group the other week and there was a guy in there who who was was moaning about his team. He was, genuinely. And, it, and it, do you know what? He was great, though. He was really honest about it and he was asking for help and, you know, he was thinking about the change and 
He was talking about somebody who constantly moans about their workload, yet says they want to progress and they want more responsibility. And his peers were asking him some questions. I, I was giving him some feedback. It was a great conversation in the moment. And it was obvious he was wanting the other person to change. And it, it was brilliant because mm. one of his peers said, so can I just ask you, when you've asked them why he moans about his workload, what does he say? And the answer was, oh, yeah, I haven't asked him. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and, and it was brilliant because he was like, oh, yeah, of course, I'm looking at it. I need him to change, and I've not asked him why he's doing what he's doing now. And it was like this great moment. And, you know, I said to him, look, yeah, so what? what's feedback you need to give to him? How, what are you going to do to ask that question? Because it was just this moment of, yeah, I'm coming in every day. Because what he kept saying was, but I tell him to do this and I tell him to do that and I tell him to do this. And, you know, you could see the peers sort of, his peers sort of rolling their eyes thinking, oh, mate, you just need to bloody ask him why he's moaning all the time. <laughs> and somebody did it in a very coaching way, which was the environment we'd created. And, yeah, it's that bit of actually don't try to change the person, change your approach and go and ask yeah. that person that question to help them to understand it. And, yeah, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? So, yeah, I think it's sometimes a brilliant it's the simplest. On. It's the simplest thing sometimes, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. You just forget to do because you, you, you overthink it. You try and yeah. analyze it, you overthink it, and then yeah. you just need to ask a question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're humans, we're idiots. I, I, I love that, that, I, that you said that, Amy. I think you're right. And it, only idiots because of how we allow our thoughts and feelings to determine yeah. what we do rather than choosing a response. And, you know, perhaps what we're talking about as well, in particular that guy I was working with often, it's easy for leaders to take responsibility and think, I've got to change Tim because my boss is going to ask me about Tim. So, yeah. and, and it's that bit to remember that whilst Tim's underperformance reflects on you and the team, Tim is responsible for it. Tim mm -hmm. is responsible for his own attitudes and behaviours. So work with Tim so he can change himself and a great way of doing that is changing yourself as a leader in the first place by asking different questions or having a different conversation or different kind of feedback or, yeah. of course, asking them what they need you to change. Awesome okay. stuff, Amy. I love I love what it's about because you. it always starts with you because you're the only person that you can change. I think it's a brilliant thing for people to take away. Uh, I'm going to do your book recommendation first. I'm going to okay. save the music recommendation. Okay. So what, what is a book that you suggest everybody should read? So, it's, a bit of, it's quite a deep one for me, this book, actually. Okay. Oh, do you know, I was I was so tempted to say your book, <laughs> just to throw you off. Bless you. That is, thank you. Have you but heard no, about this book called Break the yeah. Mind? <laughs> no, I know, I've had to say to a few people, I'm not setting this up so you can say my book, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> so I have got this book from Vex King and it's called Healing is the New High. And I, so it's, it's quite, um, it's quite deep. There's not, there's not enough pictures in it for me, um, to be honest, but it, it is a good book. Um, and one of the things I really like about it is it's around that creating positive relationships with people um and kind of like rewriting any limiting beliefs so I'm really not very good at self-reflection um to be or, or allowing myself the time to self-reflect and I think this book is really good because it goes into I mean some of it is around like childhood trauma um which I'm very lucky to to not 
have any apart from being sent to school all the yeah. time when I was a little bit sick because there was no sympathy um but it's got some really good um like guides around like helping to set boundaries um and like some self-reflection questions and things like that in it and I actually just think it's really useful um for people to to go through those kind of exercises so whilst you know some people might have had some really tough times in their life that it would actually genuinely really help with and others are very lucky and haven't I still think it's a good thing to sort of go through and dig a little bit deeper into and then start to understand it just helps you to understand yourself like not just from a work perspective yeah um, that's what oh, you, it's so gold well. it's it is gold that's a very fancy shiny book cover yeah yeah I know <laughs> I do um, yeah I, I was tempted by the colour <laughs> I won't lie um, but yes he is a media content creator and a mind coach um, oh. yeah so yeah he had quite a tough um story around like violence and racism and I think that's kind of where okay. he sort of then dug deep into kind of healing that that trauma he's written a few other books as well good vibes good life I think is his other one okay yeah. um, but this is good I would recommend thank you not so like healing a, is the new high like yeah, it not, not, not like just a, for the cover yeah. not a trashy like beach read um <laughs> for anyone that's going on holiday you might cry um it's quite deep so I just, okay. wanted, just wanted to caveat before someone you know starts digging it out in the plane that piece around reframing your limiting beliefs is really important though isn't it because yeah. we all have them and, and particularly as leaders it can eat away at us so yeah it's a great recommendation for people to read and be able to look at how to reframe those Right, drum roll bit then, Amy. Come on, what's your music recommendation? What's the album or the song you're going to, that everybody should listen to? Uh, Right, okay. Oh, shit, you know how much I love music. This is so hard to choose. I know this is a really hard question. Um, Okay, so my power song on the end of every run, I'm going to go for that one because it boosts, you know, when you're, I don't know, (laughs) If you're running and you're at the end and you feel like you can't go on anymore, this is the one song that gets me going again. ACDC, Thunderstruck. (laughs) Always. Every day of the week, that will help me finish my run. It's a a belter. Yeah. Beautiful. What a great tune. Uh, And I I think it's great the way you sort of set up as well, that, that song that gets you back up there. Yeah. I, again, it's a nice reminder for a leader to think about that. If they're having a, a bad day and about to go into another team's call or into another meeting, you maybe what's the tune that gets you back up there so you don't yeah. do the things on your dickhead list. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Awesome stuff, thing. Amy. That was the I hardest question. <laughs> there's going to be, I know, I know, I know, yeah, I know, to your show before you sat there with your Bowie t shirt on as well. I so know. I. Yeah, I like the way that you avoided simply going for Bowie. Well done. <laughs> um, there's going to be so many people writing dickhead lists after this, you know. I absolutely love oh, it. Right. I, I think that's something I'm definitely going to make. I'm just going to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do it tomorrow, I think. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Well, people get it, don't they? They, they? It just resonates with people. You can do it at home. Do it with your friends. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like you said before, we can all be the dickhead at times. It, nobody yeah. wants to be because no one likes a dickhead. So, yeah, it's yeah. that 
choice to help you and your team to look at how you can make sure you don't do this. Or you could do it the other way around, couldn't you? And look at what are the things we will do so we're not dickheads. So actually, yeah, there's a will not and a will. So, yeah. I like that. Ace. (laughs) <laughs> oh, this is right. Uh, I'm also listening to a bit of ACDC, I think, before we uh my next interview. Do it. <laughs> so, Amy, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. You've shared so many brilliant, brilliant things with everybody on there. Now, for the listeners, don't disappear because there'll be a little musical interlude, then I'll come back and ask you some coaching questions based on what Amy shared with you today. So, Amy, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And there we have it, the wonderful Amy Sinnott. There we also probably have the episode of this podcast that's got more swearing in it than an episode of Peaky Blindness. (laughs) Who gives a shit? This podcast isn't for children, it's not for prudes, it's for real people who want to know how to deal with the real shit that they face in their lives. And I think often when you want to put things into practice in the real world, you just have to say it as it is. You have to be brave and talk about it in the way that you would talk about it with your mates down the pub. You know, it's the classic example I was using. Look, I think for me, Amy embodies authenticity and I know the work she's put into being a true authentic self and having that confidence to say, this is me, this is how I talk. I'm, I'm going to put it on the table. I'm going to be direct. I'm going to challenge people to actually be the best that they can be. And just on that note, there's three areas I want to ask you some coaching questions around that Amy's talked about. I think I surely I've got to start by asking you what needs to be on your dickhead list and how can you build that with your team so that you are all demonstrating the right attitudes and behaviours and you're holding yourselves accountable for doing that and you're calling it out when it doesn't happen. So what needs to be on your dickhead list? The first area I just want to ask you some coaching questions on and get you thinking about what you're going to do as a result of listening to Amy's interview is about your career and about getting as much as you possibly can out of the role that you do so the first question I want to ask you is what do you want to get out of the out start again Tim what do you want to get out of bed in the morning to go and do at work what is it that by dragging yourself out of bed, by turning up at a place of work, by working hard, by putting your time and energy into it, what is it that you actually want to do at work? What is it that you want to, that makes it worthwhile getting yourself out of bed in the morning for? The second bit of this about getting you to think about your career, and Amy talks brilliantly about helping other people in their career, helping them to get the most out of it. And I think one of the most pertinent things she talks about is the choices we make and reminding us we always have a choice. So the other question I want to ask you around this from a career point of view is what choices can you make so your career works for you? You know, rightly for so many of us, our careers are about providing for our families, about supporting other people, about being able to do the things that we love and that's so, so important. Just think Amy reminds us that's the first place to start is what are the choices you can make so that your career works for you? Because you're the one that's in it, you're the one that gets out of bed every day and goes to work and faces the pressure of that. So what are the choices you're going to make to make your career work for you? Uh, the second part that I just want to ask some coaching questions on that really stood out in Amy's interview is around the confidence piece and that self-belief. And, you know, I, I mentioned this in the intro about how Amy talks about being able to back yourself. And there's a couple of things that I thought Amy talks about. I really just want to highlight to get you to think about what you're going to do as a result of this podcast. So the first one is how can you rewrite your limiting beliefs? We've all got them. Um, 
we all get pissed off by them, they hold us back, and the reality is there are limiting beliefs, so they're in our control. And Amy talks about how she had those limiting beliefs, she identified them, she rewrote them, created enabling beliefs that allow her to do what she wants to in her career. And we all have that ability, it's within our power. So after today, after listening to this, go and think about how can you rewrite your limiting beliefs. And the second question I want to ask you around backing yourself and the confidence piece is the bit Amy talks about around when the pressure's on. So look, all we're ever doing is is experiencing different situations. You know, that, that's what we've got to respond to all of the time, particularly as a leader. And but Amy's brilliant in reminding us that actually often your impact is felt the most and you have the strongest impact when the pressure's on. Because that's when people need more from you as a leader. So what I want you to think about as a result of this is how do you respond when the pressure is on? What do people need from you when that pressure's really on? Perhaps when we're stressed, perhaps when emotions are running high. How will you respond when the pressure is on? And the final bit I just wanted to think about is that authenticity piece. Because like I said, Amy embodies this for me and I thought she, she really brings this to life brilliantly. And the first question I want to ask you there is how will you stay true to yourself so what are the things you can do to really really stay true to yourself this reminds me a bit of what amy says when i ask her that question first about being your true authentic self and she says it's about knowing who you are in the first step so thinking about you know maybe tomorrow or the next time you walk into a room from that first step what are you going to do to stay true to yourself and the final coaching question I want to ask you about is maybe some changes that you can make so you don't compromise your authenticity. Uh, you know, again, Amy talks about this, that when we do compromise our authenticity, that's when confidence goes. That's when we stop being ourselves. It's when we fit the mold. And so there, just think about how do you need to change so you don't compromise your authenticity. Now, okay, that's a coaching question that has a little bit of an assumption in it in that there's changes that we can all make. And maybe think about, I don't know, are you doing things in your role that you disagree with? Are you laughing at other people's inappropriate jokes instead of calling it out? Uh, Are you allowing other people to get away with certain things that goes against what you stand for, just from the fear of not calling it out? You know, are you maybe following some examples that you don't agree with, but it's easier to do that? You know, look, these are just simple examples to think about as to the changes that we can make, because... We're never the finished article, and that authenticity. We always have to challenge ourselves to never compromise it. You know, maybe you've maybe you've been promoted recently, maybe you got a new job, maybe you're doing something for the first time, you maybe writing a book or doing a presentation in work for the first time, and that those are the opportunities to just stop and think about. Okay, how do you need to change, or what are the changes you need to make so you don't compromise your authenticity? Right, that's it for this episode. As always, big, big thank you for choosing this podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Hoping you've taken a lot from listening to Amy Sinnott. I will see you back here on the pod next time. Remember, it always starts with you. Keep smiling, keep being you. Thank you.